you want to find and keep your tribe of raving fans, I want to support that journey. This is the Digging Deep Podcast with your host, Justin Lamb of 360 Media. I explore ways to help you build a more attractive business that finds and keeps your tribe of raving fans. Hey everybody, this is Justin Lamb and you're listening to episode 35 of Digging Deep, where we help business owners build better businesses. Today, I'm joined from a wonderful lady up in Squamish. Uh, we have Laura Tetzlaff, uh, owner and main operator of uh, Sandbox Marketing. Welcome to the show. Good morning, Justin. Good to see you again. Good to see you. And it's been so long. Like we've We've known each other for so many years. Several, yeah, we go way back in the industry, don't we? It is. It's really yeah. quite interesting that uh, you know it's come full circle, and you get to be on a show, and I'm super glad to get to pick your brain uh, and uh, and discover what we can. So, I think the first question I have for you is: is how did you get into marketing, and how did you get into where you are today? Well, my career, I always think of careers as circles versus a straight trajectory. So my circle um, was primarily around experiential marketing, so live events. And that really taught me an awful lot about how you bring experiences that are important to businesses um, to life. And I became a director of sales and marketing through that, through that world. Um, when um, we had an economic crash in 2008 because of the U.S. economy, my market target market at that time was the U.S., so my market dried up, and I um, was forced to do some heavy soul searching. Searching, And at the time, the, literally the only game in town that was hiring was the Olympics. So I did a bit of a shift back to Olympic world, um, and I've always been fascinated with large brands. How does it, one of the biggest brands in the world, the Olympics, how do they operate? <clears throat> Excuse me. So post-Olympics, um, I decided to start my own business. And I took a lot of the tools that I learned over the years to become um, really customer-centric and very focused on value added for my clients and bring in all these different elements of my experience. So I've had sandbox marketing for 10 years now. Fantastic. And so prior to you know, being in the event industry, you know, what type of education did you have leading into to getting into the event um, your marketing segment of, of, of the world? My area came through tourism and hospitality. So my when I went to university and college, I majored in travel and tourism marketing and then French as a minor. And my French was actually what um, catapulted my career because I started working with Ward Air Holidays and Air Canada Vacations. And, and via rail. So all of that was because I had my French, um, I was bilingual. Um, when I, and I was living out of the country. I was living in Jamaica. When I moved back to Canada, I was really very focused on what I wanted to do. I wanted to work for a destination management company that also did events. And at the time, that whole world was sort of new. The idea of a DMC and event production for corporate. Um, and there was a big company in town that was doing it, and I was fortunate enough to get on board in the operations side, so I really learned it from the ground up. That's amazing. And so then, you know, let's fast forward a little bit, and you, you, you get to work with large brands. And, you know, I think a lot of small business owners in general uh, view that as the unicorn for them. Like they're, they're chasing, you know, this dream. 
about being that big business and that big enterprise. But I, I feel in marketing, you know, we go and look at those big businesses and we can distill a lot of those fundamentals that they operate on and instill them into our small businesses that allow us to act like big businesses. What type of things do you think make the biggest impact for, uh, you know, in your experience learning from big companies that people could apply to their small companies? I think that the fundamental of best practices apply across the board and then you just scale them. And, and for me, the, the number one is building a really good foundation. Um, and that comes through on branding. Who are we? What are our values? What makes us unique? And then, and then being able to communicate that through marketing. So before you even start deciding on what are we going to do, really determine first who are we and I think the big lesson from big brands is just that they are excellent at distinguishing themselves and I think of you know the automotive industry or the hotel industry where there's so many brands out there yet each one really has a very clear and they spent the time to figure out how are we going to come to market what makes us unique um, that's I think that's the number one lesson for small businesses yeah, and I don't think a lot of small businesses spend that time on it. I think that they kind of overlook it. They don't think of it as an important part of that marketing process. You know, they're more focused on getting a logo, a color. And we know that brand is only part and parcel of a logo and color. But if they get the branding wrong, uh, their their logo and their and their marketing you know, it doesn't work. Doesn't, doesn't work. They no. they can clash against each other, or they can work haphazardly, but doesn't necessarily have the same strength as if you started properly with the proper groundwork. Exactly. I always I have a couple of analogies I use for that. One of them is, you can buy the most expensive audio equipment in the world, but if you have a really crappy monitor or um, um, audio the message becomes distorted. So you spent all this money on great equipment, but you haven't clarified what your message is. And now you've taken it to market, so you've confused people. Um, and I think, like you said, Justin, it's really, the, you know, just take, take a bit of time, set that first. I think one of the challenges is um, a lot of small businesses, they don't, they haven't had the failures yet to perhaps to understand why this would be important and they get into we the fire 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 instead of the ready and the aim and then let's fire and go to market with it yeah and i think that's true and, and here's an interesting case in point so I, i'm i was on facebook and i was uh in one of the the small business forums and it's interesting because people are are talking about, you know, I need a logo for this and I need a logo for that. Uh, you know, I need to, to build some social media graphics. And, you know, I posed a question uh, about, you know, where their brand was. And it's so interesting that, you know, in a place where these small business owners thrive, you know, a lot of them kind of pooed on, you know, the, the whole branding process thing that it's kind of hokey and, you know, it's okay. You can, you can go to Fiverr and you can get a $5 logo and, you know, Bob's your uncle and you're ready to go. And it really does break my heart to mm -hmm. see so many small businesses who struggle day to day. And then 
ask other business owners who are still struggling day to day and they're giving them poor advice, you know, where as somebody who really lives in that marketing space, we have a different take on it. We we think of it differently and we we may not necessarily have to have a large audience, but we have a very strong audience. And that actually is more important, I think, than quantity. What is your take quality. on Quality. Yeah, yeah, quality. Brand advocates. And I think that's the ultimate goal, or it should be the ultimate goal for, for a business, is you don't obviously don't want everybody's not your target audience. You want good quality that are going to be loyal to you and be almost be part of your marketing and sales team because of referrals and word of mouth and good reviews. And how do most of us get our, our information? It's from our, you know, either our friends or perhaps social media. There's some type of word of mouth element. We're not just going to take the word because we're on someone's website that, you know, oh, yeah, that's who I want to go with. Um, so, you know, taking the time to really clarify who we are before, um, like you said, like a logo gets developed or, you know, it's, I was going to say the other analogy that I always use, it's like building a house. If you, you know, if you're just having a lean-to on the side of a road, and, you know, I, I used to live in Jamaica, so I say if you're selling coconuts from the side of the road, okay, maybe you don't have to invest in such a strong foundation. But if you're building a home, you want to have a good foundation. When you buy a house, what's one of the first things that a building inspector will look at is what's happening with the foundation. Is it cracked? Is it leaking? Because if that is not solid that's not a good investment and you're going to have a lot of headaches down the road. So, you know, taking the time and energy to build that foundation first, it pays off dividends down the road over and over again. It's really, I always think of it, it's a gift of clarity. Yeah. And, and I think people have this grand mistake that, uh, as their business scales and they grow bigger, that they'll fix it later. And in fact, it actually becomes more expensive because there's so many more layers that you have to peel yeah. back and so many more bad habits and so many more poor decisions that have happened over the course of the layers that you put on. Whereas you could have spent far less money, far less time, you know, trying to develop all of that at the early stages. And I think it's unfortunate that people feel the sting of, you know, what that might be in terms of, you know, monetary value up front. But I tell you, it's so much more painful when they're going through it later on when they're uh, a seven figure company and they have to, you know, they have to add an extra zero or two uh, to what would have been a lot cheaper if they yeah. had done it at the get go. I agree. And I always say, say, you know, you're saving time, energy, and money. Do it at the beginning and, and you will make better decisions and have moving forward together because you might start off as you know a team of one or a team of two or a team of four but that clarity of message and purpose is going to keep driving and and as you grow you can relook there's you know obviously market changes your business might shift a bit but you've got a framework to refer back to and have a check and balance to say are we on track what's changed is it the market around us or is it us and then you can go, then the message might, might change because of that. So I, I, I agree, you know, save time, energy and money, do it right at the beginning. Yeah. And it's interesting nowadays. I think this, this 
last couple of years has really become the self-help economy. Uh, everybody's doing it by themselves, for themselves, because I think they feel like they have control. But you know, when does this, when do you feel is the time where that person should kind of stop trying to do it themselves because they can't read every book on marketing? And when do they start to look for another individual to help them on that journey? Well, I think there's a couple of, of questions in there too. It's also, where's your time best spent? What is your personal strength in the company? If you, I mean, I always say this, as a business owner, you are really good at what you do. If you were really good at marketing, you would have a marketing agency. If you were really good at accounting, you would be an accountant. Any small business owner I've worked with, yeah, they're passionate. They're, 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 yeah, they're very good at what it is they do. Hire the right people to help you and spend your time where it should be spent. So if you're really good at you know the sales position and making those relationships and building contacts, focus on that and drive your company. If you're really good at operations and systems, focus on that, hire somebody else to help you in the areas that, that you aren't strong in. Um, and as a consultant, it's I have to say as an outsider, it's cheaper to hire a consultant than it would be to hire someone full time to do this because well, multiple reasons, onboarding time, um, education, experience. Um, what if it doesn't work out? You've spent you know months um, um, not just interviewing and recruiting now you've got somebody on board it's not the right fit it's maybe too much for what you need as a small company to have somebody full-time plus um you know if i can say a, a bit of a um a plug from up for my business um you know one of the advantages i think of hiring a consultant is the expertise that they bring like for myself I'm, I'm an expert in knowing exactly what it is you need for your business. After we do the discovery, I can figure out, okay, this is where we should be going. I may not be the expert in, let's say, LinkedIn, which is really, excuse me, really hot right now, but I know the right people to call. I know the right people to call if you need to get a video done on, on message, on brand. I know the right people to pull in for um, photography for an event for you know if it's beyond my my skill set but i it's like a general contractor i know all the pieces that pull in so that's what i think one of the big advantages of hiring a consultant is that they have a much broader view they you know for myself you know i've got clients in all kinds of industries and that just offers to my clients a much broader view for them um, it helps keep me up to speed on what's happening in the digital world because i work with specialists that are you know and we all learn so i'm constantly learning like okay that was three years ago we aren't doing that anymore this is a better way to do it and it's very difficult if you have a say you do decide to hire a full-time person in marketing which might be the right fit for your company however as a small business it probably is a bit premature to do that until you've got um the the funds in place to be able to support that so you know, that's all the things for a business owner that needs to look at, you know, who is the right person to bring on as a consultant or as an agency. And that it's not just for marketing, that would be across the board. Do we need to have that position full time or is it more beneficial to have somebody as an extension of our of our team who's external? Yeah, I think you hit that, uh, you know, right on the proverbial head. Um, 
And I think a lot of small business owners feel like, well, it's so expensive to hire an external agency. You know, they cost X amount of dollars. Why can't I just hire a person who's $15 an hour and bring them in house? And the problem is, is it's not that you can't, but the problem is, is they don't understand what brand is. Because if they understood what brand is, they wouldn't be working for $15 an hour. Um, you know, they don't necessarily have all the skills and all the, uh, you know, the experience that comes with you taking a look outside of your irrelevant industry and taking a look at trends and identifying where you should be. Uh, and I really think that the onboarding time, you know, if, if you're the business owner, you're already busy trying to train that person to be your voice is also time consuming. And, and quite frankly, it's, it's just money out the hole because, you know, how many times have you walked into a company where they might have an in-house person and that person just looks like they're drowning 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And when you ask them, it's like, do you have any support? And he goes, well, I only get a few minutes of our owner's time because he's burning around everywhere. So, you know, most of the time I'm just shooting in the dark and that's, that's really yeah. problematic. And like you said before, it's painful, you know, and it's painful when we, when we hear these stories. Yet at the same point in time, um, I have to say that's my ideal client is someone who has, has experienced some pain because then we can have a real conversation about solutions. If you haven't felt the pain yet, it's tough to have a conversation with somebody where everything's, oh, everything's great. Well, it's not really great, but you just haven't, you know, invested that time, energy, and money in something that hasn't paid off for you. Or you will be spinning that, you know, lucky wheel that, hey, I hit it. Mm, one out of 20, you hit it. You know, what, uh, what did you have to invest in your resources in order to hit it that one time? And how are you going to keep hitting it as you move forward? Um, I'm a big believer. I, I love strategy. I mean, I, I'm you know, it's it's one of the things with COVID that's been a real shift for me is um, doing very short strategies now, doing like 30-day strategies, you know, and adapting as we go along. And I'm okay with that. It's just that it was a shift for me. I'm, I was used to doing like 12, 18-month strategies and putting a plan in place. That's not the world that we're in right now. So again, somebody who's in the forest and feel in the thick of it, it's really hard to put your head up out of that forest to go, okay, breathe. What do we got to do over the next 30 days? Let's break it down into smaller chunks that, that's manageable. Um, so that, again, that clarity and that expertise that a consultant can bring or an agency can bring from outside. And you know, if we look at, you know, the, one of the arguments of is it more expensive, I don't think it is. You're paying for a clear path. So, you're, you know, yes, marketing is to some extent, you know, there's trial, you know, R&D and trial, you know, we'll try this message and see what happens. But that's not the majority of the way how marketing works. So is it costing more? I would argue it actually costs less. If you look at what's the ROI and how much investment, and the other thing, as you mentioned, having the time of an owner. I don't. I know for me, I don't need an awful lot of time in the owner at the beginning. In the, in my framework, it's like I can. I'm very clear. I need this much time to set up your your brand blueprint, and then I need this much time per month to make sure that we're on track for the execution. And unless there's something crazy that happens, like you know, COVID happens, and we have to change everything it doesn't really take that much of their time after that. So 
to my earlier point, what's your time worth? Where should you be spending your time? Should you be, you know, operationally because that's your expertise? Should you be, you know, out in the sales force, you know, landing new business? It's, it's a, it's a really interesting um, way of measuring value. It is. And I think it's really quite, quite funny because what I think a lot of people forget to see is, is that, you know, and they think they're going to hire a person in house and let's just say they're going to hire a person to do social media. Well, they forget that that person is just a social media person. Um, and, and whether they have all the tools, let's just say they have an okay set of tools and they have an okay set of knowledge. Um, but you know, when they're working with an agency, the agency already is thinking many more steps ahead. They like in my agency, we have photography and video and they all tie into one. So that person really isn't buying a person who's just doing social media for you. They're buying a, a department, a rented department, so to speak. And same with you. Yeah. They're renting a department. They're, re they're renting your, your director of marketing. You know, you're, they're renting, you know, the, the chief strategist, you know, they're, they're renting the events coordinator and project manager, and they don't have to, they don't have to pay, you know, CPPEI, they don't have to pay yeah. your WCV, you know, they're paying you a, a rate uh, for the time that they need you. So I think, you know, in that sense, it, it does save them tons of money and I don't think they look at it that way they just think of it uh, in short term in short term you know hourly wage but you know what we save in time and money and and mm. sweat equity uh, is is far beyond you know what it would be to do in house and that's not saying that we're for perpetual should be their consultant forever. There comes a point where, you know, you get their business to a certain point and we can help them cross over. And I don't know if you did that in your business, but I surely do it in ours where we help transition and train teams uh, to take over in-house because ideally, you know, when they're up and running, I'd like to find another person to help to get them to that point. Cause that's the yeah. satisfying part. Yeah. yeah. A big part, big, yeah. A big part of my business that I'm really proud of is um, capacity building. And, and I always think of, you know, it's, you know, for the owner, it's ultimately I'm helping them make better decisions. So it's almost by osmosis in the process that we're learning and I'm helping them go, okay, this is why we're doing this. So the next time, whether I would say, whether I'm in the building or not, you're going to be more equipped to make a better decision than you were before. And you're right. You know, I, I do have some clients where it is perpetual, where I'm, I am, they're basically their director of marketing. I have other clients where it's project-based and we've decided, okay, we're, we're going to do the brand blueprint and we may, because of that, have, you know, maybe it is a new logo, maybe it's a new company name, maybe we need a new website. We determine the tools afterwards. I can help execute on that and then they're, and then they're good to go. Yeah. And then they've got all the, all the, right, they've got the little pieces in place and if they need help later on because they're moving up to the next level, we have a conversation, you know, 12, 18, 24 months down the road about, okay, where this is, we reached these goals and now we're ready for the next, the next move. I think that's the other thing with me too. I'm really big on setting, what are the goals? What are our objectives? How are we going to measure if that's successful or not? Then let's look at the strategy and then let's look at the tools we're going to use or the tactics. So I have an acronym that you may have heard of. It's quite common post P O S T. And you do it in that order. P, people. Who's our audience? What do they need? What are their pain points? How are we going to communicate to them? O, what are our objectives? How are we going to measure those objectives to know if we're successful? S, what's our strategy? 
what's the plan we're going to do, and the very last thing is the T, the tactics or the tools we need in order to achieve those objectives through the plan that we just created. And I guarantee you, everybody, I use it all the time, POST, start at the P first. I don't know if you found this, but a lot of organizations I talk to, that first discovery call, oh, I, you know, I, I took an ad out and I didn't get any results. And I'm like, mm -hmm. so you went right to the tactic and the tool. Did you have an objective? How did that, what was your audience? Where were they? How, did, how were you going to measure if that was successful? Was that part of your strategy? And they didn't have a strategy and there were no objectives and they didn't know who the audience was or that was a, the wrong, I've had that happen to you. It was the wrong audience. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it, it breaks my heart. It does. And, yeah. uh, and, and I so want to go down this road. I do have to be cognizant of our time because, you know, I don't want to ruin, uh, you know, the, the length and duration of our podcast, but I definitely, we should touch on it. But I'm going, to, I'm going to touch on it a hair. I'm hoping those people who are listening are going to find value in this. But we talk about tactics and we talk about people putting ads out there for no other reason because they just thought it was going to good and then they complain about the ROI that nothing works and you know it's so important for you to not go from you know the tactic and just using what you think works and what works for another business but really understanding who you're talking to and the problem is is I feel that so many people who do their own marketing who don't have a lot of marketing knowledge try to talk to everyone at the same time instead of talking to one person. Yeah. And yeah. it's so, it's so heartbreaking because when you're trying to talk to everybody, nobody listens. They just tune out. It's noise. Oh, we're so overwhelmed with brands talking to us all day long. Right. So in what I don't remember the statistic, maybe you do Justin, of, you know, in one day, the average, how many brands we, we see in one day. Oh, I can't remember how many brands, but I know that it, we're in the 700, possible touch points with different people um, in, in a given day. And, and that's already overwhelming. I mean, your brain probably filters out 90% of it, even though you've talked to, you know, or touched 700, you know, points in your day, you're probably only you know, cognizant oh. of maybe 20. Right. So brands is probably thousands. Like I think about like getting ready in the morning, just, you know, washing your face and brushing your teeth. How, and then as a woman and, you know, maybe doing my hair, how many brands have I touched just in the bathroom? dozens maybe i don't know like and then to have your coffee or your tea or your breakfast how many more brands and then sit down at your desk and how many more so just i'm looking around my office and i'm like wow there's like probably 100 brands here right now right am i aware of it no it's noise so how like you said how do you break through that noise and and talk to somebody yeah but uh we, we have to we have to dive into it the next time we're on this on I would podcast. love to so, yeah we're yeah. gonna have to dive on this particular topic so just to make sure that uh, we keep tight around the time I'm going to ask you a question that I ask every other uh, person who comes on the podcast is what is a uh, article a book a website something that's really influenced your journey or that you could share with somebody else that if they'd want to know more about marketing and know more about something that's inspired your journey as a as an entrepreneur uh, what would you recommend well, it, this is, is, is not about marketing. It's, um, it's a book called The Four Agreements. And it's, and it's about really being authentic and learning how to um, be your best person. Um, 
And that has inspired me in life more than any marketing, because at the end of the day, everything's heartfelt and it, it's, it comes from here. So when I give my best to other people, I know that, that I'm doing my best to help them be their best. And the four agreements is just one of those beautiful books that just um, keeps me honest, keeps me in check. That's one of the reasons why I love you so much. Aw, thank you, Justin. What a Aww. sweet thing to say. Well, thank you so much for joining me in today, and we're going to make sure we, we hop onto another call uh, sometime in the near future. Uh, but great. for those people who want to connect with you, how are they going to connect? Um, my website is sandboxmarketing.ca, and right from the homepage, there is a request a complimentary discovery session. And we have a really great chat. You fill out an easy little questionnaire. I tell you, it takes less than two minutes. We have a great chat. If I can help, I help. If not, the other thing is I know a ton of people. If I think there's a better fit or something specific that somebody needs, I'll refer them out. But usually that conversation really clarifies, you know, where I can help them. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. And for those people who are uh, tuning in on this podcast, uh, make sure you take a look at the description. I'll link that in the, the description for you. Uh, for those who are listening all the way to the very end, thank you so much for tuning in. I really do appreciate the time that you guys take to listen to me either on your car ride while you're working out, maybe cleaning your house. Uh, but I really do appreciate the time that you guys spend with me because I know your time is valuable and you've chosen to spend that with me and today with Laura. So, Thank you again. And if you wouldn't mind, hit that uh, subscribe button. Follow us on uh, Spotify. Leave me a review on Google, uh, 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 Google Podcasts or on Apple iTunes because that helps us rank a little bit better so I can help reach another entrepreneur. Until next time, thank you for listening. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. Your time is valuable, and I'm deeply humbled that you're spending that time with me. I want to make this channel something really great something you can really enjoy and get a lot of value out of. So if you have any suggestions or comments, please connect with me and let me know. If you enjoyed this content, I'd love it if you'd share it with somebody else and if you'd leave a comment on iTunes for me. This helps me rank higher on the search engines. And as always, tune in next week as we dig deeper into marketing and business. Until next time, have a great day.